Hey, good morning, guys. It's Trey, and thanks for tuning in to the Grace for Man podcast, which is a part of Men Passionate About Christ Ministries. And um, got a question for you to start today, today, just to think about if you're on on your drive to work, your drive home. Where are you right now? Are you consumed? Are you in fear? Has life just covered you up? Do you feel like there's no way out of the situation you're in? Are you are you haunted by some of the decisions you've made in the past or some of the things that you're doing right now that you're hiding? It's agonizing, isn't it? Are you are you tired of just being tired? Do you feel like you're out of control because you can't control your life, your things, your family? You know, I was there in that same spot summer of 2010 as I I set my pickup truck in a rest area on Interstate 95 just east of Orlando. And I sat there with a knife. Yeah, my life had gotten that bad. Um, lost my, my business. My marriage was on the rocks and failing. My relationship with my son wasn't quite the same. And the, the bank account was so low, and, and, and my, ha- my home was... Uh, the sheriff has stopped by to hand me the papers on foreclosure proceedings for my home. Man, I was a mess, and I was so depressed. I was so scared, full of anxiety. And I just figured, with the help of the liar and the deceiver, I just figured, you know, the world is going to be better off without me. I even called to check the insurance policy to make sure that I had cleared the two-year suicide piece. And I sat there with the knife late at night in my truck trying to decide what's going to be the the quickest way to end it all. Is it, do you slit your wrist? Do I bleed out faster if I slit my wrist or do I slit my throat? I mean, I actually considered what's going to make the least amount of mess because I knew I was going to give the truck to my son, and, and, and I didn't want to make a mess. I, I, I even thought about what, what can the funeral home man, what's easiest for him to cover up so my mom wouldn't see it? And the whole time the deceiver was just whispering in my ear, you know, you're probably right. You know, God, there's no way God's going to forgive you for those things you've done. There's no way God's going to forgive you for your pride and all the things that you've done to your family. No way at all, man. They're better off without you here. Brother, are you in that place? Have you ever sat there? Have you ever sat there and just wondered, how did I get here? Why are these things happening to me? You know, I look back at my life, and you'd probably crack up at my life. I didn't grow up in a bad situation. If you if you think about, and I'm not sure how old everyone is that's listening, and I'm probably dating myself, but there was a show in the 70s called Happy Days. My family was the Cunninghams. 
and I was Richie. All-American boy, the athlete, made the good grades, obeyed all the rules, dated the cheerleader, desired to go to college and move on to become a businessman and a family man just like my dad. And life went great for a while. I was confirmed into my church when I was 12. That summer, I attended classes. And at the end of uh, the class period time, we stood up in front of the church in my suit. And the pastor asked us to recite a prayer. And he came around and told me, congratulations, you're now a member of the church. And he handed me a certificate. I like to joke that I took that certificate and I put it on my wall to prove to everybody that I belonged to the church, that I was a Christian. And that certificate was right next to that uh, famous poster of Farrah Fawcett in the red bathing suit. About two summers later, I was at a youth camp in the hill country of Texas. And under the big pavilion that night during worship, The leaders of the camp gave the invitation to accept Jesus into your life, and and I did, and I felt wonderful. And then I started trying to do it on my own. I had no no idea who Jesus was or what he did to me. And life started happening, and I, I started getting caught up in the world. I started being conformed to the world, like I have to do this. I have to go to college. I have to get married. I have to get a good job. I have to have the house, and I have to have the two kids and the Cocker Spaniel. And then I just, it just started a cycle in me. Went to church every Sunday. Went to Sunday school. Went to a couple of uh, college organizations uh, on Monday nights and Tuesday nights and, 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 and tried to fit in, but it was never in my heart. And I went through life and, and uh, just in this performance-based idea that, man, I'm just going to try to do as good as I can and do as well as I can. And if I do more good things than bad things, then you know what? I'm going to make it because I, you know, Jesus died on the cross for me. I'm going to make it if I do enough good stuff. Man, I was lost. It took years, but I was lost. And then that summer of 2010, as I sat there contemplating the worst, wondering how I got here. I started thinking back a little bit of a couple of years before, there was a couple of friends of mine that took their lives. And it just blew my mind. It blew the community's mind. Two, two, two of the men were, were, were good acquaintances of mine. I've actually coached and worked with their kids in Little League. The third one was a good friend. Uh, came and watched me, came with me to watch my son play football every Friday night. And all three of them, left so many questions and as time progressed after they took their lives all these things started coming out about them and their financial problems and their 
their their their their drug problems, their alcohol problems, their problems uh, with money, losing their jobs, all these things that no one knew about. And me as a friend, I didn't know. I had no clue. So here I was, summer of 2010, about to fall into the same trap. Yeah, I'd put on a front, boy. I put on a mask. I put it on a wall. I showed to the world. Everyone that saw me said, there's Trey. He's got the perfect life. He's got the white picket fence and the house and the dog and the kid and the beautiful wife. But they didn't know. They didn't know how I manipulated my finances and got into so much trouble with my finances, how I hid them, my financial problems from my wife. They didn't know the decisions that I'd made. They didn't know the thorns that were in my side that I just kept burying deeper and deeper and deeper because I wanted everyone to see the tray that everybody loved. And as I continued in controlling and trying to control my life and filling myself with little things that made me feel better. You know, the liar and the deceiver is great about that. He, he is the master at making sin look beautiful. He's been doing it since Genesis. With Genesis 3, he just looked at Eve and said, you know what? You go ahead. Go ahead and take a bite of that fruit. Did he really say, did God really say that you would die? That he would kill you? Surely he didn't say that. And you know what? If you take a bite of that fruit, it's going to make you feel better. If you take a bite of that fruit, you might actually know what God knows. And put you at, at the same level as him. So you go ahead. It's going to make you better. Do it. Has he sat on your shoulder telling you that lately, brother? Oh, man, I know the feeling. He's invited me to his house so many times. And let me tell you, I always had in my mind that Satan's house, when I was a kid, that you know where Satan lived... It was nothing but fire and brimstone and a sulfur smell and just, you know, agony and screams of pain and everything else. But here on this world, Satan's house looks beautiful. It's got all the whistles and bells, and he invited me over for parties all the time. You ever been invited to Satan's house? It looks great. It feels good. It's going to get you away and get your mind off those little things in your life, like uh, the fight with your wife. Or it's going to get your mind off of, I'm late with my electric bill. Or I miss my mortgage payment. Or you know what? I don't need to go interview for a job today. I'm going to dive into these little things he's asking me to, and it makes you feel great. I was at a loss, man. I, I was at the end of my rope, sitting there in the middle of the night, 
about to become the the fourth from my community to end it. I sat there screaming to God. Why haven't you fixed me or saved me from this? I said I believed in you. I screamed out a prayer and said, okay, here I'm coming. This world doesn't want me anyway. I failed at everything. I can't control it. I might as well just end it. And yeah, on that other shoulder, the deceiver was saying, he was giving me those words and just saying, it's going to be okay, Trey. They're going to be better without you. You know, Satan came to to steal, to lie, to kill and destroy, and that's exactly what he was trying to do to me. Have you been there? Are you there? Are you drowning? You feel there's no way out? How can I get through this? Why has God forsaken me with these these things? Even though you know in your heart it was your decisions that put you where you are? How many times do people come up to you and ask you, just say, hey, hey, Johnny, how you doing today? And your first word out of your mouth is, man, I'm good. No problem, man. Just another day in paradise. That was my favorite line. I always wondered if they looked at me and said, man, he's a liar. Or I always wonder if they looked at me and said, man, there's something going on deep inside of Trey. I don't understand it. But he looks so great on the outside. But man, something's happening with him. Yeah, I got this, man. No problem. You find yourself doing that sometimes, brother? So as I sat there in that pickup truck screaming out, to God and blaming him for all my things I have in my life. Yelling at him that, okay, here I come and, you know, praying my mom wouldn't be too embarrassed and, you know, thinking deep in my heart that, man, he's not forgiven me for any of this stuff I've done. People I've hurt. And then a presence came over me. It was the most powerful thing I've ever felt in my life. I mean, at that at that youth camp, church camp in Texas, I, you know, I, I felt it. And I became one of the hundred sheep, but I'd run away. I went to go make the life on my own. I was that one. I was that one that took off. And from that moment when I was 13 until I was 45 years old, I had no clue who Jesus Christ was. Yeah, I'd heard all the stories. I was taught growing up, you need to believe in Jesus so you go to heaven and not go to hell. That's all I heard from the pulpit. And I thought, you know what, I'm, I dang sure don't want to go to hell. So, man, you know what, I, I believe baby Jesus was born to save the world. 
Save me. I said it. But I didn't know him. And as I sat in my truck that night, I felt the presence as I yelled out to God, and I, I felt it. You call it words. You call it a presence. You call it, it hit, it, you hear it in your mind, but it was really simple and kind of confusing. It was words that said, I've been watching. I've been waiting. I've been looking. And I'm so glad you called me. And then I felt and heard these words. You can't leave. Your son is going to need you. Who's going to watch him play football on Friday night? You're going to need to be there for him. I still get goosebumps thinking about it to this day. And it's about that time my phone rang in the car. No business of my phone ringing that late at night, but it was a great friend of mine from Orlando. And I answered the phone and I heard nothing but love coming out of his voice. This is a brother. I heard nothing but love coming out of his voice. And he just said, brother, I know what's going on in your life. I know you're hurting and I know what you're thinking of right now. And we need to talk because I love you. But we can't talk right now because I don't know where you are and I need you face to face. So tell me where you are and I'll come get you. At that moment, I opened my mouth and I began purging. Things came from deep inside of me that I never told anyone to this man. He had no clue what I had done in my life and what I had done to people. And at the same time, these words are coming out. I felt Jesus saying, it's all right. I died for you. I knew you before you were born. We are going to get past this. My blood covered that. Now grow in the knowledge of who I am. I got through with that phone call with my buddy and and um, made it home, and he was waiting on me, <laughs> along with some paramedics. <laughs> and um, they did a check on me and let me go and, and or just let me stay home. And it was about three months later on a Friday night, my son was playing in a football game a big football game, televised. And he had the worst moment of his life on a football field. Yeah, I know. You think, well, it's just a high school football game, no big deal. But for my son who was being recruited, it was a huge, huge night. And his heart was broken when it was over. 
And he didn't come home right away. He came home after midnight, and he came home, and he just melted into my arms on my couch and just wept. And I sat there that night, and I held my 17-year-old son, told him I loved him unconditionally, and I slept with him and held him all night. It was one of the most beautiful nights as a parent I had ever had, even though it, it was horrible for him. But as I was holding him, the Lord reminded me that he told me back in that summer, about three months before, that I was going to need to be there for my son on a Friday night, and this was it. And I was overwhelmed by discovering grace and discovering who Jesus really is and discovering in that moment in the truck, I was thinking about leaving my son and all I could think about was Jesus never left me in spite of all the crappy, horrible things I'd done. My life changed that night when I held my son and it all came, all the light switches going off in my mind and my heart. Because the day that I believed in Christ was the day that he inserted his Holy Spirit inside of me. The day that I believed in Christ was the day that I was no longer held in condemnation. I was no longer held in judgment. I didn't realize it, and I tried to do life on my own. Try to control it all. And it put me in the bottom. And Jesus was looking for me the whole time, and he found me that night. He went looking for me, the one that strayed away. And brother, if you're, if you're in that spot, I promise you, he's looking. He knows all his sheep. And he loves every one of them by name. He knows every one of them by name, including you. So if you're listening today, you know, the title of our show is Grace for Man, and grace is the most powerful force ever. And when you're washed in the grace of Jesus Christ, he never leaves you. Even when you screw up, even in the hole that you're in, even in this hole that you dug for yourself, it might be 500 feet deep, but you're not alone. Daniel wasn't alone in the lion's den. You're not alone either. You know, that night and that time period of life in 2010, it all didn't end rosy for me. I, My wife and I divorced an amazing, amazing lady who, who gave me the gift of an amazing son, and she's an amazing mother. 
my son went away to college and actually played a little college football and played a little college baseball. And I'm just so proud of him now as he's a 28-year-old man making his mark in the world. And I've tried to instill in him, you can't control it on your own. You got to fill yourself with Jesus every time or lean on him every time. So are you there, brother? Are you in that spot? Are you so consumed and down that you're crying out, why me? You know, I take I take comfort in the letters that Paul writes. Especially as Paul you can, he he relates to us. I mean, Paul wrote two thirds of the New Testament. And he screams out to God and in Romans saying, Why do I keep doing what I don't want to do? Why do I it's not what I want to do, what I keep doing? It sounds like me, man. Does that sound like you? You know, Paul goes on to say in, in, in Romans 5 that we need to rejoice in our sufferings. Oh, my gosh, what a, what a concept to think about. And like I used to roll my eyes at. Rejoice in my sufferings. But then Paul says, knowing that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And that happened the day you believed, brother. His Holy Spirit was poured inside of you. And now, from that moment, you get to grow in that. And it was something I never paid attention to until the summer of 2010. And oh, how things have changed. It's been gradual. It wasn't immediate. It wasn't overnight. I, pay, I was still paying for consequences in this world that uh, decisions I've made. But I heard Jesus say that day, you can't leave your son because I have never left you. He hasn't left you. Now, that was the day that the seed for men passionate about Christ, Impact Men's Ministries, was planted inside of me. And it took a while for it to come around and for me to act on it. About six years. But I did. And it all started with me sharing the story that I just shared with you and other brothers sharing stories with me. Brothers that are just like me that just finally decided to wake up and get real and try to understand what Jesus' blood did to us and what his resurrection did to us. And how serious and beautiful and loving 
and how powerful His Holy Spirit truly is. You know, I walk now in identity in Christ. As we grow in these podcasts and if you ch- as you check out our social media pages and our website, webinars, you'll, you're going you're gonna to hear me say that a lot. But 10 years ago, my identity was not Jesus. I didn't think it was in the summer of 2010. My identity was Trey. My identity was everything Trey could control. My identity was everything Trey touched and consumed that he wanted and desired. Today, all of those things are, as Paul writes about, is they're rubbish. (laughs) You know, the actual translation from Greek, rubbish means dung. And I had a brother in a meeting not too long ago that said, we all know what dung is, and he he said the word, the four-letter word that starts with S, and we all just died laughing. Yeah, everything else is rubbish. Everything. So, brother, where are you? Are you hurting? Are you consumed? Are you down? Do you think God's turned his back on you? I'm urging you. I'm reaching out to you. He's there. And he's waiting for you with open arms. Just waiting for you to turn. Please follow us at Men Passionate About Christ. This is what we're all about is truth. It's about men getting real, discovering who they are and God's amazing grace for them. And through that discovery, through that, through that knowledge, through that renewing of your mind, you break the chains of being conformed by the world, by religion, by yourself. I sure appreciate you guys tuning in today and hearing a little bit of my story, and I would love to hear yours. You can check us out at impactministries.org. That's M-P-A-C-T ministries.org. Our Facebook and Instagram sites where everything we do is designed to help you understand the grace you live under and the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you. So with that, I can't wait to see you next week. Talk to you next week. And we're going to explore some other men's issues and um, realize that we, we are, we're his light to shine to everyone we see. Thanks, guys.